0: Airport Freeway. You may be seated. I thought for a moment I was getting a standing ovation before I started. I'm so grateful to be here. Uh, having been invited back to speak again, I guess I didn't break anything in the house. You know how you visit some relatives and the kids or in the house, and the kids go off by themselves, and you're just sitting there, oh God, oh God, just don't let them break anything that I can't afford to pay for. So I'm thankful to the leadership here, thankful to uh, Larry. I spoke to Larry yesterday, probably more times than I've spoken to Larry on the phone in 2019. (laughs) Uh, But Larry, you know, Larry is a fighter. Uh, Certainly I understand his great love of this church and his great desire to uh, preach the word at every opportunity and he certainly didn't want a little bit of illness to uh, prevent him uh, from doing that so I certainly understand that but I'm just grateful that he gave me a call. I thank you uh, Larry. I'm thankful to the uh, elders here for uh, believing that I would be able to Uh, bring a message that hopefully will inspire you. We are coming up on a, we're on a new year. We are on a new decade even. And so that brings about feelings of renewal of our purpose. And so I know a lot of us, uh, we, we sort of shy away from the New Year's resolution thing. I heard somebody the other day said that my New Year's resolution is that I'm not going to make any more New Year's resolutions. And I don't think that you can have that attitude and grow, right? I think you have to be committed uh, with a purpose and you have to decide that I am going to improve this uh, about my life. And it's such a blessing to see everyone here this morning. Everybody's looking so good after the holidays, and you look like a million bucks. And the truth of it is, after the holidays, we are probably all dead broke, right? But I always like to start out with a a little bit of humor. Uh, I know that some of us come to church with a hangover. And I'm not talking about the kind of hangover from indulging in too much libation the night before. Because I know none of you in this room do that, right? This means yes. So I know none of you do that. But what I'm talking about is sometimes we come in with baggage, right? We come in with things on our mind. Maybe you had uh, an argument with your spouse over what going to be for dinner where we're going to go for dinner uh, you may have had an argument with your uh, children about what you feel is appropriate for them to wear as opposed to what they feel is appropriate for them to wear and that sometimes can be a tug- of war right and so when you come in sometimes you have you have a hangover so I believe that humor is sometimes that tool that, God allows us, we, we know that there is nothing funny about preaching the gospel, there's nothing funny about attempting to save your soul, but I believe that God allows us this tool to break down those barriers, you know, it's hard for you to be mad at me if I make you smile, Right? Uh, some of you have kids, and kids are the most incredible learning experience in the world because you can be so mad with your kids that you are ready to strangle them. And they will do something just so funny that you can't be mad anymore, right? I remember I have a, I have a, a niece. She's an adult now, but when she was, uh, I believe, four years old, I was left to babysit her. And so I thought, okay, well, let me pull a mattress in the the living room. And we got the TV and we had her, you know, movies that she likes. And we were in an apartment on the second floor. Now, a child does not have a concept of the second floor. When a child's feet hit the carpet, that to them is the ground. You know, and so they don't understand that when you boom, 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 or you jump off of this and that, to the people below, it feels like something is coming through the roof, right? And so my niece, Stephanie, she was just having a great time on this mattress. She was bouncing off of the mattress onto the boom, 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 boom. And each time I would tell her, Stephanie, you can't do that, honey, because we have people down there, and it's, it's pretty loud and noisy, and, and she, she, you know, that didn't register with it. And so she did it a second time. I'm like, Stephanie, you can't jump off the mattress onto the floor. And she did it a third time. Well, you know, when your parents call you by your first and middle name, you were in serious trouble, right? So I said, Stephanie Renee. I need for you to stop doing this now. And I was so angry with her, so angry with her that she didn't understand. And all of a sudden, this little four-year-old face looks at me and tilts her head to the side. And she goes, Uncle Stephen, this is not going to be a good day, is it? And I had—I just had to. It—it it was so funny. That moment was so funny that I just—I had to leave the room, and I couldn't be mad at her anymore. But the—the—the—the the, the, the little short story that I want to uh, want to share with you now. I, you know, I heard this, and I, you know, I thought it was funny. It's not a gut buster. But if if you will, when I tell it, just act like it's that funny, just so I won't be so uh, conscious about it. There was a there was a church, and the minister of that church, much like Larry does sometimes after the Sunday school, he's out uh, greeting people. And so the minister was in the lobby greeting uh, people, and this member came up that had not been to church in about three years and so um the minister said to him wow it's it is so good to see you we have really really missed you and uh he said to the man you need to you need to come on back so you can be a part of God's army and the man said preacher I'm I'm already a part of God's army and so the minister responded oh well are you are you uh worshiping at another congregation? And the man responded, no, I'm in God's secret service. (laughs) I'll give it a while to marinate. So some of us are in God's secret service, and you can't serve God effectively being in God's secret service. You need to come out and be a part of God's army with the rest of us hard-fighting soldiers. I, uh, there are a lot of events that have gone on recently, certainly our hearts were uh, dropped as we heard the news uh, from the West Freeway Church of Christ. Um, I, as many of you I'm sure, have been lifting up the members in prayer for strength and encouragement uh, during this challenging uh, time, but you know one of the one of the positive aspects is we, you know, our two brothers that lost their lives—they lost their lives in the service of the Lord—and we must be sustained with that. And I was so encouraged as I heard uh, interviews on TV from uh, one of the members, and you know, the reporter was sort of trying to goad this member into. It seemed to me that he was trying to goad this member into being mad and the the member just had a big smile on his face, he said, you know, I just can't hate. I just can't hate. And so it made me think, you know, about what is it that we do to fight evil? Evil has been with us since the Garden of Eden and it will be with us but we must fight evil with love. Because evil cannot dwell successfully where love resides. Just like darkness cannot dwell successfully where there is light, evil cannot dwell where there is love. So that's what we have to do in order to fight the evil that's around us. It's going to be with us, but we don't have to succumb to the evil that is around us. I, uh, the subject that I have chosen to speak about a little bit this morning, and by the way, Larry told me that I could speak as long as I wanted to. Isn't that what you, did I misunderstand you, Larry? Okay. Oh, all right. Okay. Maybe I misunderstood. Uh, but I'm going to be brief, but I want to bring you a message that I, I pray that has some meaning to you, has some spiritual value to you this morning. So my subject is love is the greatest. Amen. Isn't love great? Amen. Remember when you, when you met your spouse and the only four letter word you knew was love. You know, I mean, your heart just melted. Every There was something about this person every time they showed up. You know, you had a different outlook on life. Love is the greatest. Because imagine if you experienced that with one another. Experiencing the love that God the Father has for us is just beyond our ability to comprehend sometimes. I love Airport Freeway. I absolutely love this church. I love Larry, the minister here. I mean that in a manly way, Larry. I love the elders here because the elders understand that the staff that they use as not a baseball bat, but a tool to guide us as they assume responsibility and accountability for our souls. I have never felt anything but great love from all of the elders here at Airport Freeway. I love the seniors here, of which I am rapidly becoming one. I love the not so seniors here. I love the young people. I am so encouraged, young people, when I see you sitting together uh, there with the youth minister. And uh, you don't know how special that is, but I promise you, we don't tell you enough that we love that about you, we respect that about you, and do not change that feature about you. The feature that drew me. To this congregation was uh, one of the great demonstrations of love that uh, my wife and I experienced the first time that we came here for a visit. The first time that we came to uh, uh, Airport Freeway was just about four years ago now, and uh, the first person that we met was Larry Nunley. And Larry was out, you know, you when you guys don't know where Larry is between Sunday school and church, he's out trolling the parking lot. And the only thing that he's missing is a sandwich board that says, come, come, come in here. But he was the first face that we met, and, and it was that Larry smile, that Larry love that was the first <laughs> was the first demonstration of love that i felt from this church and you know larry of course the first thing that he said is i'm a hugger so you know let you don't mind if we have a group hug so he and my wife julie and i had a group hug now the second thing that larry said was you want to read the scripture for me today and I thought, well, okay, I can do that. But I'm thinking in my head, this man does not know whether or not I can read two words, <laughs> you know, together. But, but you know, I guess I guess I had the look like I could because he certainly asked me to. But, the, the, besides the point, the entire point was, we immediately felt the love. And and Airport Freeway, quite honestly, that particular morning, was our Plan B. Uh, my father who. Was a minister of the gospel for 65 of his 95 years. Um, my wife and I were driving across town to take him to church, as he, you know, his 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 uh, abilities had become diminished by this time. So we, this particular Sunday, he didn't want to go, and you know, we were just looking for a church just to for our plan B. So this was our plan B, but while it was our plan B, it was God's plan A, because the love that you showed us just drew us into here. And then I met, you know, the elders that I mentioned, and that same love uh, was reflected by the elders. I met some of the members. That same love was reflected by the members. And in the four years since that first Sunday, Uh, every time I come here, I leave with that same feeling. Because when I left that day, I got in the car and I said to my wife, I looked at my wife, Julie, I said, that is how a church is supposed to act. That is how Christians are supposed to act. And the next thing that I said to her, love is the greatest. Love is the greatest. Uh, the text that I chose this morning, 1 Corinthians uh, 13, 1 uh, through 13. Uh, Keith, if you will, are you, are you, oh, there you are, if you would grab that. And I promise, as some do, I won't interrupt you <laughs> when you read this. Uh, but this text should be one of the blueprints, one of the scriptural blueprints that we refer to over and over to remind us how we
1: should live and treat one another. Uh, Keith, if you will read that. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Love is
0: the greatest. Uh, I did, not you know, the, the young man who read the scripture reading this morning, you did a beautiful job. And I didn't have it reread because you didn't do a beautiful job. I had it re-read because I think that scripture is that important to sink into our minds. Love is the greatest. You may have so many other gifts. You may do so many other things. You may be a scholar. You may perceive things quicker than many people do. But if you don't have love, you don't have anything. Uh, Basically, there are four you know, we can, we can define love in, in four different types of love, and you've certainly heard Larry speak on uh, this before, but uh, there is something that's called storge or storge love. That is the Greek uh, origin, and this, that type of love is described as, as liking someone through the fondness of familiarity. For example, a family member uh, 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 a parent loves their children the children love the parent uh, siblings love one another and that's almost it's almost uh it's almost a built-in instinct that most of us have most of us don't you know i know as we get older and teenagers i hate my, my i hate my sister i hate but you don't really hate them You're just mad about something that they got that you didn't get or they got to do that you didn't get to do, but you don't hate them. You really, really love them. So that type of love is a a love of familiarity. And the next type of love is uh, called philios. That's a friendship. That's love between friends. You love people that you have grown to share something in common with, uh, share common interests, common values. Uh, Dwight Spencer, uh, who, by the way, is in Marshall with his uh, wife. Uh, they had to go and tend to his mother-in-law who had some health issues, so uh, if we would remember to keep Dwight and Marilyn in our prayers this morning. But I've known Dwight for uh, more than 50 years, and, and we share a bond of commonness, uh, common values, interests and activities, and there is another love called eros, which is a romantic love. That's, that's the love that you have for your spouse. That is that love that draws you to an individual in particular. Out of all the other women in the world, all the other men in the world, this is the one that makes your heart throb like no others do, right? And then there is agape love, and that is unconditional love from God the Father, and that is love that you didn't earn. You didn't do anything to earn God's love. That is unconditional love that he has for you regardless of your circumstances. And you know that God loves you because when you do bad stuff, when you do stupid stuff, God doesn't say, I'm going to cause you to stop breathing for a little bit just so you can stop and think about that, right? He doesn't do that. He continues to pump that oxygen through. He continues to let you breathe. You know, when it's raining outside, you don't sit there and, and your, your yard and your house is powder box dry, right? It's raining all over the neighborhood, but it's not raining on your, your yard because God is mad at you. He doesn't do that, right? Right? He still provides the sustenance of life for you. Love is the greatest. Why? Because we know God through love. Um, Keith, if you would get from me 1 John 4, verses 7 through 9, love is the greatest because you cannot not know God without love you, if you don't understand that love uh, you cannot know him as you need to know him to find salvation first John four seven through
1: nine dear friends let us love one another for love comes from God everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. Love
0: is the greatest. Uh, there was a story, one of the most quoted scriptures that, uh, that, people have quoted throughout the centuries is John 3.16. You remember you couldn't turn on a ball game without seeing someone holding up a sign that said John 3.16. You watched a football game, you watched a basketball game, baseball, somebody had a little poster that had John 3.16 uh, on there. And I read a story a long time ago that I want to share uh, with you briefly. Now Larry you have to wave at me when my time is uh, and. That side of my glasses, I can't see very well, so I might, I might miss your way. But there is a story that I read that I want to share with you, and it, it is not a biblical story, but it, the analogy of the story will cause you to think in a Christian and spiritual way. And some of you may have heard it, and I, I will confess before all of you that I did plagiarize the story. I made it my own. So if you read the story before and you say, he's not telling that story, well, no, I'm not. I'm telling it from the Stephen Mathis perspective of understanding of the story. But this, uh, this was there was an old man. And the old man was extremely wealthy and uh, he had outlived his, his wife. Uh, his only son uh, had been killed in a war, in a military conflict. And so the old man had enormous amount of means. He had lived in this house that had this grand room and he had works of art from all the masters, uh, uh, Renoir, uh, who were some of the Rembrandt, everybody that was a name in art. He had works of art uh, from them in his collection and his collection was envied uh, by people all over the world and this Uh, man just spent his days uh, just looking at these works of art. And one day there was a, uh, uh, someone rang his doorbell and so his servant went to the door and answered the door and the man identified himself and said that Mr. blah 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 does not know me but uh, I need to speak with him because I knew his son. I was in uh, the same squadron as his son. And so the servant went to the old man and explained to him, you know, who was at the door. And, of course, upon hearing this, the old man, you know, walked to the door. And he met the man, and the man told him, Sir, I, you don't know me, uh, but I knew your son. And your son was an amazing individual. And your son uh, was so amazing that he jumped on an explosive device that he knew would take out our squadron and he bore the brunt of that impact and of course killing himself and saved you know, all of the men in our squadron that day. And he saved my life. He said, my life has been saved because your son, gave up his life by falling on the explosive device. And he had a package with him. He said, I, I, there is no way that I could thank you for that. There is no words, no amount of words, nothing that I could give you that could replace that. He said, but I have been blessed with a certain skill set. And he said, I'm able to, I've been able to paint, <coughs> pardon me, And he said, I had a picture of your son and I painted a likeness of him and I have that and I would just like to give that to you in in some small way just to say thank you for your son and for his life and the kind of character and the kind of man and the kind of love that he showed that day that allowed me and so many others like me to have a second chance. He said, would you please accept this gift from me? And so the man, of course, was moved to tears. He looked at the picture, and it captured all of the features of his son. It was such an incredible likeness. And the old man took the painting, and he put it in the large hall that he had, his other paintings, and there was a mantle in the center of the room, and he put the picture of the son in the center of the mantle. And so the remainder of his days, the old man looked at the picture, and it brought him great joy day to day. And finally, as time went on, the old man passed away. But before he passed away, he gave instructions to auction off his estate upon his death. And so upon his death, news went out that the old man is dead, his estate is going to be auctioned off, There are going to be people coming from, there were people from all around that came. I have to have this Rembrandt painting. I have to have one of the pieces of them because this man's collection was by far superior than any in the world at that time. And so the auctioneer began the auction, and uh, the first item on the easel was a picture, the picture of the old man's son. And he said, we will begin the auction with a bidding for this picture of the master's son. Who will bid me on this picture? Well, the people were there to get the masterpieces and the great works of art. And they were almost indignant. We don't want this. This is, this is Bush League Mickey Mouse stuff. We came to get the real collector's item. Let's, let's get this stuff out of the way. The auctioneer was undeterred. He said, "Who will bid me $1000 for this painting?" And they still grumbled among themselves. The auctioneer went down to 500. He went down to 100. No one would bid him $100 for the painting of the old man's son. So he went down 90, 80, 70. 60 comes next, right? 60, 50. And he went all the way down to $10. And the people were just indignant. They were like, how dare you insult us with this? So finally, a man from the back of the room came forward and he was a man who had been the old man's gardener. And he came up and he said, I will give you $10 for the painting. And he had on clothes that were, as you might imagine a gardener's clothes to be, and $10 probably had seen better days, probably had to unfold it and straighten it out, and he gave it to the auctioneer. And so the auctioneer said, come with me, you need to take care of some paperwork. And he went back with the auctioneer and the auctioneer came back out. And he said, ladies and gentlemen, the auction is now complete. What, really, seriously? We came from all corners of the earth to buy these great works of art and you auction off this Mickey Mouse picture of the man's son and the auction is over. And so the auctioneer very calmly said, there was a stipulation in the directive of the old man that upon his death that the auction would occur and the directions of the auction were as such. Whoever takes The son gets everything. Let that soak in for a moment. Whoever takes the son gets everything. Isn't that the same thing that God the Father is saying to us? Whoever takes my son gets it all. Eternal life living with the Father in heaven. Whoever takes the Son gets it all. Love is the greatest. Why? Because even in sin, God demonstrated his love for us. Uh, Romans uh, 5, 6, and 8 tells us that for when we were still without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man some would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love towards us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Love is the greatest. Why? You're supposed to say why when I say that. Love is the greatest. (laughs) Because our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ said that that it was. In Mark 12, 28 through 31, as Jesus was talking to the Pharisees and the Sadducees, he, one of the scribes came and having heard them reasoning together, perceiving that he had answered them well, he asked him, which is the first commandment of all? And Jesus answered him and he said, the first of all commandments is here, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. And the second, like it, is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Love is the greatest. If you are here this morning, if you haven't experienced that kind of love, we at Airport Freeway are too ready to share it with you. Our cup runneth over with love. Uh, We have elders that are ready to share that love with you. We have teachers that are ready to share that love with you. We have members that are ready to share that love with you. If you are here this morning, you have not obeyed the gospel, you have not been baptized, I would not let another moment pass away without doing exactly that. You are not going to know everything from day one. In fact, the moment that you become a Christian will be the moment that Satan will probably jump on your shoulders harder than he ever has because you have to understand Satan doesn't need to go after the ones that are already in his camp he's going to go for you but you have a family of supporters here this church is is diverse and full of love as any that I've seen and I've seen a lot of churches in my lifetime we have love lives here at Airport Freeway, and love is the greatest. If you have a burden that you need to share, perhaps you need to have prayer for a renewed vision to understand God's purpose uh, for you in the new decade and in the, in the new year, do not carry that home with you. Don't let it trouble you. Let not your hearts be troubled. Come and let the elders, let the members pray for you and with you, and I promise you as infectious as this great love was to me nearly four years ago, it will be that way to you. God has a very simple plan of salvation. Some would have you believe that if you just recite the sinner's prayer that you can be saved, and that's not enough. But it's not complicated. You know, I'm a simple person. I believe in the KISS method of doing things. You know what the acronym for KISS is, right? Keep it simple. I'm not going to say stupid. I'll use my name because I don't want you to leave here and say, that preacher called us stupid. KISS method. Keep it simple, Stephen. I believe in keeping it simple. I I never liked... uh, I liked math, but I had trouble with, Did anybody but me have trouble with algebra? I didn't get algebra. You see, I mean, I, I understand addition, subtraction, division, multiplication. It's very clear to me. But I never understood why x equals y squared minus... Why do we have that little parenthesis up there? And what does that mean? Couldn't they put it all in one line and just say, you know... 1 plus 2 times 5 divided by 6. I get that. Algebra, I had a problem with. I, und- I love geometry. See, geometry made sense to me because you had proofs in geometry. If this is so, then this has to be true. You know, If that is so, then that has to be true. So I was okay with that. I just didn't understand them little bitty letters that were up there in algebra. I, 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 anyhow, I digress. Salvation is available to you love is the greatest, it's the greatest commandment, it is the greatest feeling. You need to know the love of God, you need to know the love of God that is demonstrated through these amazing Christians at Airport Freeway, and you need to not be in the secret service of the Lord, you need to come be in the Lord's army. If you are here Please come as together we stand and sing the song of invitation.